Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help, prayer of any kind, or if you give your life to the Lord today, send us an email at church at the crossing.cc. We would love to hear from you so a member from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. So many faces in the room that I love and I miss if we haven't met yet. Like he said, my name is Dallas, and I served here for five years. And now uh, me and Jamie, my wife on the front rows here, and we live in Dallas, Texas. So Dallas is in Dallas. And we've been there for about a year and a half. And just to catch you up, our daughter is over two now. And we got one cooking. So, yeah, so we're excited about that. But uh, so, so, so thankful for this house. Um, So much of who I am, so much of who we are, are because of you and because of this house and because of the leadership here at the church. And I'm just so thankful for Pastor Randy and Pastor Stacy. And, and they're probably watching online again. So can you just help me honor and thank God for your senior pastors? Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, if you're a note taker in the room, uh, I want to go ahead and give you our title of our time together. And it is this, Raise the Standard. Raise the standard. I'm going to start in Mark chapter 11, and then I'm going to hop around just a little bit, but I want us to catch this burden right up front. And here is where we begin. Verse 12 says this, on the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, he being Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard it. Jesus was in a bad mood. (laughs) So um, this is a passage of scripture that I have been wrestling with, chewing on really since January. And here is why, um, because contextually what was going on here is Jesus actually wasn't angry. He wasn't hangry, looks like it. He wasn't just moody or in a bad mood. No, this fig tree, what we know is it had leaves on it. So said this way, typically where there were leaves, there were figs. Said even simpler, this tree had the appearance of producing, but it wasn't actually producing. And Jesus wasn't all that thrilled about it. And so it was a tree. It had leaves on it. It just wasn't doing what it was designed and created to do. And here's what we know about the life of Jesus. He's always coming in and raising the standard. Everybody say, raise the standard. Matthew chapter six, he's entering into the temple courts. And what you'll find is he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, what he does not do is remove those things. He assumes you're actually doing those things but he changes the standard or the culture around those things. So he says, when you give, you've been blowing this trumpet. And you've been putting that money in, looking back, saying, look at me. And Jesus says, I don't want you to do it that way. When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And your father in heaven who sees in secret will reward you. 
He says, and when you pray, what you've been doing is you've been going up to this wall, you've been rocking, looking back. And what you're wanting is the approval of us, the approval of man to say, man, that guy prays. But what he says is, man, go into your room, shut the door behind you, pray in secret. And your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, you've been coming in, three days of water, not that bad, but my God, like, like you're showing it all over your face. But he says, wash your face. No, no, we, like, like there's a standard that Jesus is actually calling us to. And there's an idea, and I'm gonna blame my generation because it's easy. I'm a millennial. (laughs) There's a lot to blame. But this idea is simply this, is that Jesus is nothing but grace. And he's nothing but love. And when you read through the scriptures, what you'll find over and over again is God pictured as love is really only used about seven, eight, nine, ten times. But he's seen as holy over 400 times. And the scripture says, be holy as I am holy. So the standard is that, it's holiness. And so where we're gonna live today is in Philippians chapter two. And so if you have a copy of your scriptures, you can turn with me there. But in Philippians chapter two, it's Paul. And he's speaking to a church that's heard the message. They know the gospel. They've, they've heard the good news. But like anything, over time, it just begins to lose its distinction. And so it said this way, at one point it was producing, but it's gotten to a point of just having the appearance of producing. And here's how Paul addresses this church. Philippians 2, starting in verse 12, says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing. One translation says grumbling. I just like that word, grumbling. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine. Everybody say shine. You'll get your distinction back among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run, I did not labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. What does Paul say to a church who has the appearance of producing but they're not actually producing. I got three things. And by the way, I always like to say this. um, They're not cool. Like my points, like I always like want to be the guy that's like the four P's of purpose. (sighs) I wish I could, I just can't, but they're very, very clear. So number one is this, keep growing. As a believer, one of the mandates that we have is to keep on growing. Paul would say it like this, work out your salvation. Now, this term workout in the original language is actually a mining term. And it was a term used for miners who would dig out silver from these caves. And so said this way, salvation is a gift that we're continually unwrapping. We're continually digging. And the more we dig, the more value we find. So maybe said another way, <laughs> there's more to God than you are currently experiencing right now. But it only comes on the other side 
of a dig, of a working out, of a finding, of a uncovering. But he doesn't just say dig, but he actually gives a spirit or a burden or a tone behind the dig. He says with fear and trembling. Now, at first blush, that can sound kind of angry. But I just want to say this has nothing to do with God's attitude towards me and you but it has everything to do with maintaining our sense of awe and reverence and honor towards God. So it's not just that you dig, but you dig in such a way that God says, I want you to dig like that. Hebrews 5, 6 or 5, 7 says that Jesus was heard, which I want to be heard because of this, his reverence, his awe, his honor, his, his reverence towards the Lord, but this is ultimately leading to something great. Verse 13 says that there's an inner work. It's in you, but not so that you can just go do your own thing, but it says in order to fulfill his good purpose. So it's his will that this would begin to grow in all of us. Um, Me and Jamie have a house that was built in the 40s, okay? It's a charmer, but we know what the scripture says about charm. It's deceitful, okay? And I'm not exactly Mr. Handyman either. And so it's just like, oh, I, why? Like, and so I feel like there's always something that needs to be fixed and we're thankful for it. But man, I just, I wish I was, I was handier. Um, and I'm not. But in our backyard, we have these giant trees. And if you've ever lived in the DFW area, um, it's not as humid as here, but it's just windier. Like there's always wind. And we've had two or three storms where I'm like, Lord Jesus, one of these trees is about to come down. Man, today is the day of salvation. Like I, 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 just, like, I just know it's coming down today. But what we found is every time there's one of these storms, like I'm going outside to see, all right, what is tomorrow gonna look like? What are we gonna clean up? And our trees look like they've never been touched. They look great. But then me and Jamie, like we have like this dream of like, man, let's go get a new bill. But if you've ever lived in a new build, you know the trees that they put in there have been there for like a week. And, and those trees are like on someone else's roof. Like they're through a window. They're in the neighbor's yard. And so now they have two trees. And it's, but here's what we know about trees. Trees mature. They grow stronger. The roots grow deeper on the other side of wind, conflict, storms, confrontation. The roots in my backyard said this way, they've matured. (laughs) So what is this inner work? Man, I could spend four weeks on this one idea. What is the inner work? But just with our time together, it's this. God wants us to mature. He wants us to grow and and so the question becomes, well, then how do we mature? And I'm, and I'm 30 years old. I would have preached this a different way at 20, and I'm probably going to preach it a different at 40. So just so heads up. Um, but if I could just give us one thing, and it's going to sound so simple, but sometimes we forget to do it. One way to mature is simply this. We, as God's people, follow Jesus. It's how we mature. And I want to make a quick distinction here. Because there can be fans of Jesus. Like, I'm impressed with what he does. I'm impressed with even like, man, worship was powerful and I feel something. And I don't quite have words. For, like, like, I'm impressed with the wow side. 
but there's a following that can create a little bit of conflict. When I was in um, Bible college, once a year, we put on this conference. It was like a 17,000 student, man, it was impressive. Man, the lights and the bands and the speakers, like everything was top notch. Um, but what they would do at, the co- at um, this conference is they would promote their college. They'd say, hey, if you wanna join this college, man, we're gonna have a room next door and we want you if you're called to full-time ministry. Ah. Well, these students are jazzed up because like, man, y'all do this every day for four years? Like, this is incredible. But this is what happens. They say, yes, I'm impressed. I'm amazed. It looks good. And their first semester, we all know, it's like, they ain't gonna make it. Because here's what happens. Hey, um, you're gonna go on a fasting retreat. Um, here's a gallon of water. There's a hose right there. Here, God, it's gonna be great. Um, oh, in that conference uh, that you saw, we're gonna get you a cot. You're gonna stay the night and you're gonna set everything up for everyone else. Work, right? Now, why do I mention that? Because that's sort of what's going on in Luke chapter nine. And I wanna read this because Jesus' public ministry is starting to grow. And how many of you know, if you see a man who's saying, hey, get up, and they do. Hey, see, and they do. Oh, fish, bread, buffet. Like, that's impressive. Like that, whoa, I wanna follow him. And Jesus just presents to them the reality. He is not unkind, but he is not unclear either. This is what he says. He says, and as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, Jesus, I am impressed. I will follow you wherever you go. And he replies with this. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Now, what was going on here? A lot of people have used this passage of scripture to say that Jesus was poor. And that's not what's going on here. Can I get an amen? It's like, to follow me, you gotta be broke. That's not what he's saying. What's actually going on here is Jesus saying, hey, I, I don't have a consistent home that we're sleeping in every single night. So I just wanna be very, very clear. To follow me means we gotta be on the move. Like we're actually looking for places to rest as we go, as we move. And I just wanna say again, I'm so thankful for a church who makes room for Jesus to rest here. That's so, so important. And I'm thankful for this house for that reason. But verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. And he replied, Lord, first, everybody say first, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus replies with something you never wanna hear at a funeral, okay? It says this, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, what's going on here? Was Jesus being harsh? No. <laughs> what we know contextually is that this would have been a extended period of time. So this wasn't a man whose dad was on his deathbed. This was one of those things where it's like, hey, I'm gonna be gone a while because I need to be with my family before I make this decision. Said this way, it was like a conversation of like, I will follow God when, right? Like, I will be generous when. Like, I'll apply for that when. It was one of those conversations and, and it's just so important to figure out, I mean, what is that first thing? All of us have a first thing. We have something that we put first and Jesus is saying, hey, that, that's a long period of time. And today is the day of salvation. Follow me now. And another man said this. Oh, read it twice. 61. 
Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, if I say first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, this is a short goodbye. And he replies with this, no one who puts a hand to the plow looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, I already told you all I wasn't handy. So you can naturally assume I'm not a farmer either, okay? Um, But in order to plow well, it was a very focused work. So in order to keep a straight line on these fields, you had to look right ahead the entire time. Said this way, there was never room for you to look back and wonder. Did I get that? No, because it's a focused work. It's a look ahead. It's a step. It's a movement. And I just wonder if there's anyone in this room, maybe you've encountered Jesus and you're impressed and you should be. He's impressive. But the following has created a little bit of conflict. Just a little bit of, man, let me go do this first. Or let me look back first. Or let me... But man, I want to challenge you. I don't know what it is for you. I learned this morning, Next Steps is now a one class. That's easy, okay? And I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I do know. Sometimes maturity requires movement. It requires doing something. And I'm learning this about me right now because I did not know I liked outreach until I started to do outreach. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is giving me life. Like it's, but I didn't know. I had to work out. I had to dig. And I couldn't just dig. I had to maintain, Lord, is this what you want? Is this what you'd have for me? And I think everyone has a step. And I just want to challenge you, whatever it is for you, take that step. Amen? Number two is this. Again, not cool, but very clear. Watch your words. We're going to watch how we talk. Now, I love what Paul says because Paul's like, hey, if you want to shine like a light, don't give more, don't do more, don't serve more. Those are all good things. But he says, man, you want to maintain your distinction? Don't be a cry cry, right? Like, it's interesting. He says, do all things without complaining or grumbling so that you may keep your distinction so that your light may shine. And here's what we know um, a little bit about complaining. One study showed um, that 40% of all conversation is complaining. Um, I naturally kind of lean this way. <laughs> Confession. Um, this, this is my bent. When I walk into a room, I see the crooked chair. I see the tissue box. I, like, like, like that's where my eye goes. But Harvard Journal has been doing some studies on this. And what they found is people who are consistent complainers are literally rewiring their brain for negativity. I was like, Lord, if you can hardwire, can it unwire? Like, I'm like, how do we reverse this thing? But this is a big deal. Um, There's a uh, young adult um, that I work with a lot. And his name is John. And we'll call him John for this. Um, But... He came to a Tuesday night, um, has never experienced church, have never experienced God. And, and on a Tuesday night, he said, man, I'm all in. I'm making Jesus my Lord. And it was a powerful thing. And then um, the next morning, which was a Wednesday, our security team's like, hey, Dallas, I think um, one of your young adults is sleeping in the parking lot. I was like, what? And I walk out there and it's John. 
He's in his car. I was like, hey, man, good morning. What, what's up? He's like, oh, oh Pastor Dallas, uh, I was living with my girlfriend, and when I gave my life to Christ, um, I, I just couldn't do it. Like, the conviction, like, I, I said, I, I got to go. And he got in his car, and he drove to the church and stayed the night at the church. Like, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of, you know, like, it was crazy. But like, John doesn't know the rules yet. You know what I mean? And it's crazy because he, um, he'll bring like two to three people. Like, he's one of those guys I'm like, man, I want you in this ministry. Because <laughs> he brings two or three people every single time. And they're always new. And like one day I was like, man, John, how, how are you doing this? He goes, well, I stopped cussing. I said, okay. I was like, well, well, explain this. He goes, well, um, I used to cuss more than anybody. He goes, and I still do some. I was like, okay, it's fine, it's fine. Um, he goes, but I, but I stopped. And he goes, and people at work started to notice. He goes, I didn't even tell him about Jesus because honestly, I don't even know what to say. It's like, oh, okay. But I started to put a guard over my mouth and people got curious about the God that I met. And now they're in church and now they're meeting Jesus all because of we can all do that one. Come on, somebody. Like, and here's what Colossians chapter four, verse five says. says, be wise in the ways that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now look at this. Let your conversations, your words, what you say, let those be seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Friends, like if I could just speak to you like I'm family, because I am, we got to get this right. And I don't know like a nice way to say that. We have to get this right. And I've noticed something in me that the Lord's been speaking to me in, and it's this, that I can actually complain about the thing that I once asked God to bless me with. For instance, Lord, I want a wife. <laughs> no, no, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Not, I've heard other people say that. But, but isn't that true? Lord, I want kids. Man, daycare is expensive. Lord, I want to go outside. God's hot. Like, we can, we can just go from thing to thing to thing to thing. Lord, I want a home. It's falling apart. Lord, I need this job. My family needs a cruise. I hate my boss. Like, it's because I'm currently living in a blessing. I'm actually living in God's favor. And if I'm not careful, I'll rebuke it. I'll curse it without even knowing I'm doing it. And I don't want to lose my distinction over something so silly. Come on, everybody. We, we got to get this right. Let us be a grateful people. First Thessalonians 5 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you. Let us be a people of gratitude. Man, we got to get this back. We got to say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bring us back to a thankful place. Last one is this. We serve. We keep growing. Watch our words. Last one is this. We serve, and keys can go ahead and work their way up. When I was a new youth pastor, um, we'd have these students come, and they were some of my favorite. Like, they would come from families that their parents didn't know the Lord. And one of them specifically came, he gave his life to Christ and he was fired up and he's like, 
Pastor Dallas, I want this for my family so badly. I don't know what the, what to do. Like, what do I do? And I was like, well, man, just tell him about the good news. Like, I know what to say. And he goes and comes back and says, Pastor Dallas, it's not working. Okay. And I asked him, what are you doing? He goes, well, I told my mom that if she'll repent from her wicked ways and turn from her sin and make Jesus the Lord of her life, um, if she doesn't do that, then she's going to burn in hell. I said, oh, okay. I wonder why it's not working. Like, and so the next conversation went a little bit like this. Well, do you have chores? Yes, sir. I said, well, does your mom always have to ask you to pick up your stuff? Yes, sir. Do you mow the lawn? Yeah, yeah. Do they always have to remind you to mow the lawn? Well, me, yeah, but it's morning, you know. Okay. Like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do those things without being asked. And I'll promise you, they'll know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. It's true, though. And here's why because our talking without our serving is the appearance of producing, but it's not actually producing. James would say it like this, faith, our conversation without works or without doing something is dead. We gotta get this right. We gotta get this right. Paul would say it like this, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now the audience would have known exactly what he was talking about. Because at the time, what they would do is they would take their best perfume. They would take their best wine. And as a sign of worship, they would come up to the altar and they would pour it out. This was just a symbol of them saying this, God, I give you my best. The thing that I value the most, you can have it all. And all of this is leading to something. This isn't just like a, it's a good thing. It is a good thing. But Jesus had an idea around this. And this is the standard, Matthew chapter nine. It says, and Jesus went through all the cities, villages, teaching, preaching, healing, doing all the things. Verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Because they were harassed, they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So it said this way, these people would be reached if we'd reach them. Verse 37, so that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is one of the few times in scripture where Jesus presents a problem and gives the solution at the same time. There's a lot to do. Any workers, laborers. So therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. There's never been a harvest problem. (laughs) There's never been an issue of, is there enough need to meet? No, it's always been an issue of workers. So so said this way, more people would eat if we'd feed them. The person in my workplace might know Jesus if I just tell them. Our colleges, our schools would be reached if we'd reach them. Like, friends, it's going to come out the other side of that maturing, of that digging. Lord, what would you have me do? And so I want to pray. And I want to ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? And so I want to invite you to bow your heads right now. And 
want to start with this. Holy Spirit, is there anything that you want to say first? Is there anything that you want to speak to somebody or somebody's? Well, this thought just came to my mind, and so I'm, I'm going to share. I don't have a person, but... I feel like the Lord wants to speak to somebody right now who's either a new parent or a new husband or a new wife. And you're under pressure. And it's really just the pressure of new. And I feel like you've even said something like this, or maybe you've thought it, but you've said something like this. I miss the simple days. And I feel like the Lord wants to tell you, and this might feel strong, but It's not better on the other side and you have what it takes. You can do it. So Holy Spirit, I don't know who that's for. Father, it's not an accident that marriage conference is this Saturday. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And God, thank you that you're speaking. So God, I just simply ask, What would you have us do? And I want to invite you right now to say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? Jesus, what do you want to say? Lord, everyone has a next step. And I just ask that right now that you would just highlight what that is. It could be a class. It could be serving. I don't know what it is. It could be telling somebody at work that they come to church. Like, So Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in the room and that you're speaking. We just thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. God, thank you for this summer season. Lord, I want to pray for the person right now who's tired. And in your mind, you said, man, summer's a time to refresh, but it's just not been that for you. God, your word says that there's a promise of rest that remains. So, Father, I pray that we would enter into that rest. Father, thank you for my friends. And thank you that you're blessing this house. God, thank you that your hand is on this house and your hand is on these families. Your hand is on these students. Your hand is on these young adults. Your hand is on this community. And Lord, where your hand is, there's favor. And so Father, we we just walk in that. We say yes. Father, we love you and we honor you. Come on, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Hey, come on, let's clap our hands and thank God for all that he's done. Well, let's go ahead and stand to our feet and let's have prayer teams go ahead and work their way down to the front. Pa- Pastor Edge is about to come close. Um, but if that word was for you, I want you to come and agree with somebody up here. Or if you need ministry for anything under the sun, come and receive prayer. We will stay as long as we need to stay to make sure that you are ministered to. And so you can actually begin to, to make your way down now. It's not gonna bother me. Um, but hey, I love you. We're about to hop in the car and go back to Dallas. But man, it's it's been so good being with you. I love you so, so much. And um, I won't see you next week, but I think Pastor David Vestal will. Is that true? Man, so that's awesome. He's a great man of God. And y'all are um, in for a treat. It's gonna be good. Love y'all. Thank you so much, Pastor Reggie. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. 
you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.